So, Mark. Yes. I want to talk about time machines. Okay. As you know, time travel is responsible for just about everything significant that happens in our world. I would love to see some evidence for this very bold claim. I would say the evidence is that the world continues to function, and knowing what we know about humanity, the only possible explanation for that is the deliberate intervention of people who know what happens. See, based on my reading of how everything is going terribly now, either every time traveler is a giant asshole, or humans just suck enough that this is our natural course. See, I would argue that the time travelers are presumably also humans, so they're not terribly good at fixing things, but they try really hard, and that's why some things do go right. I mean, maybe- Like, for example, love. <laughs> how? So time travel invented love. I mean, that's what this movie would have me believe. Please elaborate, William. Well, see, you run into a hag in the woods. A crone. Crone. She gives a you crone. crone. Don't be rude, Will. Crone. She gives you a magical hockey puck that slingshots you 600 years into the future, where I guess your only job is to fall in love with somebody? Um, I, I actually had a, a question about that, because I feel like in most time travel, you're only traveling through time, not space as well. But all time travel is space travel because the Earth moves in its position. So if you time traveled without traveling through space, you would wind up just floating in vacuum. I guess so. Maybe that spot is just exactly where Norwich, England was in 1337. <laughs> but she's in Ohio. <laughs> I know, but like the Earth turned and moved exactly to line up with Bracebridge, Ohio, which is the name of the town in Ontario where they filmed it. Oh, really? Yeah, nice I'm pretty nod. sure. A nod slash it means you don't have to change any signs. <laughs> anyway, time travel in this movie, very bad. Time travel in other media, very interesting. Okay, so like, what's your favorite time travel device in fiction? In terms of aesthetic. This is to be distinguished from time travel machines in reality. Mm, okay, that really throws a wrench in the works, you know, with all those real time machines I'm seeing every day. How would you know? If you saw somebody walking down the street with a glowing hockey puck, would you say, that's a time machine? Maybe not, but we know that's what it is. Mm, it's true, I'd probably think he was coming from a rave. <laughs> in terms of aesthetics, I do stand by every depiction of H.G. Wells' time machine, because it's just so peak late 1800s, early 1900s gaudiness. Yeah, it looks kind of like a car. It's got a big cushion to seat. You've got that crystal rod that you need to hang on to. It usually has a giant circle in the back, I feel, that I don't really yeah. understand. For the vortex. It's almost bumper car-esque. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Fiona, thoughts? Um, yeah, so I... I have not seen or read many things with time travel, but I think my favorite is the time turner in Harry Potter. Oh, sure. That's a good one. Yeah, it's nice. It's portable. Uh, it's small and you can hide it easily. Very limited in its time travel capabilities. Right. Yeah, you're only going to be traveling like spaces of hours. But even that can have a major effect on the world. So if you're only going a couple hours, then you're only changing a couple hours and it's probably okay. It's very user-friendly interface. Yeah. That is true. Now, Very idiot proof. I have a question. When we discussed Kate and Leopold, how did he go back in time? He went through like a portal in space time. Okay, so Remember, he, he didn't had to use jump off a time machine. The bridge. No. No, I think it was more wormhole-esque. Okay. A wormhole opened up near the Brooklyn Bridge, which was not built at the time the movie took place. Right. And he jumped off the bridge because he had to achieve a certain velocity to travel through time. Yes. Okay. Okay. That velocity was presumably 88 miles an hour, the speed needed to travel through time with the best time machine, the DeLorean in Back to the Future, subject of a future two-hour episode. <laughs> Hold on, I'm checking. Hmm. Terminal velocity for a human is 122 miles an hour, so I'd be curious where in the Brooklyn Bridge that falls, because it could conceivably be exactly 88 miles an hour. Yeah. This is one where you're not really wrong in trying to force your segues into Back to the Future. Hey! But I think it has a lot of the virtues Fiona identified for the time turner. You can hide it in plain sight, like in a parking lot, or like behind a sign, the way Marty McFly does. It's very user-friendly if you know how to drive a car. And then once you time travel, you can use it to get around. It does seem a bit more complicated because I feel like there's a lot of mistakes involved with the DeLorean. I mean, the big thing for the DeLorean is it runs on plutonium. Yeah, that's that's yeah. not very user-friendly. I feel like you're also more likely to be caught in the act with that, too. What, just for, like, having a weird car? It leaves a no, very distinct trail. Yeah, and, like, people can easily watch a car speed away and disappear, whereas 
me with a little time turner, I can go hide behind a bush and nobody will even know. I suppose that's true. The flaming tire tracks that just stop is also probably a big sign that something weird happened. Probably. They're really cool looking though. They are. It's a great effect. So should we get into this movie that has none of the virtues of interesting time travel? (laughs) I suppose we should. I feel like we have a lot to talk about, but also I was exhausted within five minutes of the movie starting. I have a lot of thoughts about this film and Netflix Christmas movies more broadly that I'm very excited to get into. Yes, we should discuss. All right. Welcome to We Love the Love, a Hollywood romance podcast. I'm Mark, and I'm gay. And I'm Will, and I'm a ginger. This is an investigative podcast digging into one of the most important questions of our day. Does Hollywood romance actually make any sense? And are these people actually dateable or even likable? No. It doesn't matter if the romance (laughs) is a main plot or a one-scene flirtation or time travel nonsense. We'll dig in and see what's there. This is now week three of our ongoing Christmas coverage brought to you by Square Apron, the all-in-one platform to help you build delicious websites in the comfort of your own home. For more on that, see squareapron.com and use code LOVE at checkout to get half off your first order. For this episode, we're going to be covering a brand new release, Netflix's 2019 film, The Night Before Christmas. That is night with a K because these movies always have puns in their titles. Not always puns, but just... Puns or, like, Christmas slogans. Yeah. Like, it's Christmas, comma, Eve. It's basically as slapdash as you can imagine, is the vibe I get. Like, a Christmas prince. Like, <laughs> Well, that one's particularly bad, I would say. Yeah. But there are ones like, Merry Christmas. Okay, I'm on board with that one. No, that's Have a great movie. The Spirit of Christmas. Yes, of course. That one was a pun, you see, because there was spirit, like the ghost that she falls in love with, but there was also like the spirit of Christmas that you should keep alive in your heart. Also, the spirits that he was bootlegging. Oh, true. It's a triple I word I didn't even think about play. that. I didn't either, and I regret not bringing it up on the episode. Oh, ah, my gosh. So well. What a wasted opportunity. Um. Anyway, so we are talking Night Before Christmas. Before we do that, Fiona, we have some business to take care of. I don't like the sound of that. Oh, no. Uh, number one, six months ago on our High School Musical 2 episode, <laughs> oh, I informed you of the creation of High School Musical colon the musical colon the series, <laughs> and you scoffed at the idea that you would watch it and were offended that I assumed you would. Can you now give us an update on High School Musical colon the musical colon the series? Are you insinuating that I've watched it? I, I know y- for a fact that you have. Yeah. Because I had to Google what the hashtag was because it was so many random letters. Um, all right. So yes, Will was correct. And I have now watched all except for the latest episode of High School Musical, the musical, the series. I think the punctuation is supposed to be pronounced. It's High School Musical colon the musical dash the series. Is it a dash there? Is it a dash or is it just another colon? I don't know. I've always been saying two colons because I think it's funnier. Let's let's look. I figured they'd go with the... Oh, nope, it's two colons. They did not use the Mission Impossible. The Mission Impossible format. Which is the only acceptable one. So anyway, Fiona, what's the deal? Well, first I would like to say that I started watching it, planning on hate watching it. And I have mm-hmm. to admit, that is not how I watch it. I <laughs> love this show. It is ridiculous and amazing and wonderful. It's everything that you could want. Um, so what do you want? Like a little summary in like 30 seconds. Okay. So, so there is a love triangle involved. There's Nini, who's the main girl. And, um, she is currently dating this guy named EJ. Um, so the premise of this show is that it is a high school putting on the stage version of high school musical, right? Because the school they attend is the school where the movie was filmed. The one in Utah. Yes. So this new... I hate this. Continue. (laughs) So this new theater teacher comes in and she says that she was in High School Musical, the movie, the original movie, and she thinks it's appalling that this school has not done the performance, so she is going to... Like a moral outrage? Yeah, pretty much. She's very upset about it, so... Is it someone actually from the movie? Well, we'll get into that. Oh, the actress herself? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I can look her up, but... Is it like a mystery who she played? No, but... So she said she was a like featured dancer and you find out later that she was just an extra so much less involved than she insinuated but she does all this crazy stuff like i don't know how much she ended up paying for it but she acquired the actual cell phone that gabriella used in the movie for their play why to make it fun and more authentic for the kids. Wow, I'm getting just as mad as I was watching this movie. <laughs> so what a fun movie, tie-in. But high, 
okay. The story of High School Musical doesn't have to be set in 2006. You could use a modern phone. No, they're they're trying to recreate the movie. So there's lots of drama too. So there's the girl Nini, who's the main character. She has always been like under studies or in the background. She's never had the lead. And I think it's her junior year and she's ready to have the lead. And it's High School Musical and she's like, okay, great. I'll be Gabriella. And so she auditions and her boyfriend EJ auditions and he's expecting... Do they have to audition in pairs like in High School Musical? No, but EJ expects that he's going to be Troy and it'll be so great. And they get to be the lead couple in the show and they're the lead couple at school. But Nini's ex-boyfriend, Ricky, decides that he wants to win her back. And so he auditions for the show and surprise, surprise, he gets cast as Troy and EJ gets cast as Chad. So there's a lot of drama there. Um, Ricky still is trying to get Nini back. He leaves her a voicemail, but EJ has stolen her phone. So he hears the voicemail. He's a terrible boyfriend. He steals her phone. He listens to the voicemail from Ricky. He deletes it. Uh Last I saw, Nini just found out that EJ is the one who stole her phone. But meanwhile... So what is it that you like about this show? The drama, the singing, it's fun. Mm The music. Okay, also, there's this sophomore girl who transferred to the school who's uh, like an incredible dancer. And she wanted the role of Gabriella. And so she's kind of working with EJ to sabotage Nini and Ricky. Her goal, though, is to get Nini out of the show so that she can then be Gabriella. So... The songs they're singing are songs from High School Musical? There are also original songs. Like, EJ has written an apology song to Nini that he's going to sing to her to apologize for stealing her phone. And it's called A Billion Sorries, where the line is, if I gave you a million sorries, how about a billion sorries? Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) It's incredible, We're done talking about this. We're done. Fiona, we're done. (laughs) We could just right, have an um, episode update. be about High School Musical, the musical, the series. Absolutely not. Insert colons. Um, update from our last episode with Fiona. We talked about the, for us, then upcoming film Last Christmas. Of course, that discussion came out a month after the movie did. Uh, I can report back. We got it exactly right, Mark. <laughs> really? He's dead, and she got his heart donation. What a shock. The movie is not good. They play the song Last Christmas five times in it. Amelia Clark's backstory is that she grew up in the former Yugoslavia. They never specify where. And the first scene of the movie is like her in Yugoslavia in a church choir, but they're singing George Michael. And so she's always had a love of George Michael. Oh, God. that's That part's much worse than I could have imagined. It really is. I'm glad I didn't see this movie. It's not good. Did you go and watch it? Yeah. Ugh. I feel like there is one benefit to having to pay to movies is you actually only see good ones. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> anyway, should we get into The Night Before Christmas? Yeah, let's talk Night Before Christmas. Let's talk Netflix holiday movies in general. I feel like there's a lot for us to unpack. I think that this movie represents a nadir of filmmaking in that it exists as a commercial for other Netflix movies. Oh my gosh, yes! All of the love has been drained out of this film. No one involved seems to care for the movie. No one is trying. I watched the Princess Switch and Vanessa Hudgens gave a much better performance and like... Two better ones! Two better performances, soon to be three. And I just feel like this movie had no joy in it. They even chose the wrong brother to go because he wasn't the hot one. Yes! Oh my gosh! The brother was much more attractive. So it was just very frustrating And I was so bored that I started getting really pedantic in my notes about (laughs) things like the fact that Christmas trees weren't popular in England until the 1800s, and the fact that he comes from the same time as Chaucer, so his language would be incomprehensible to her. Yeah, I mean, the time travel stuff is total nonsense. I mean, the man is hairless below his eyes. Yeah, it's just... I agree with you that I think this fails on like some pretty basic levels where... Throughout the movie, I was just kind of confused about what the stakes were and what anybody was trying to do. Because Vanessa Hudgens had no real goal until fairly late in the movie she decides she's into this dude and wants to stay together. Meanwhile, he gets magically transported to the future. Our future as well, because this movie starts on December 18th, 2019, and we're recording this on December 1st. So this is a future set movie. He gets launched into the future, 
And he's told by the crone that he needs to find and complete his quest. And he gets to the future and he's like, I don't know what my quest is. And then does nothing to figure out what it is. So he's just like going around through life. So neither of them has a goal. They're just kind of wandering through this movie. Yeah, I feel like they talk about it a couple times. They're like, we need to solve the quest. And then you never see them do it. Like, okay, in the spirit of Christmas, they do a ton of research to try to figure out what happened and, like, the history of his family and what he needs to do and, like, how could this curse have been set? How can I get back? And here, it's just, like, it's never even a thing. Yeah, so much in this movie happens for no reason. Every time they bring up the quest, it's like the writer just remembered that there was supposed to be a quest and was like, oh, yes, uh, quest, of course, and then they still do nothing. This movie has no reason to exist beyond advertising Netflix. So in our Netflix Christmas movie universe, this exists in the same universe as a Christmas prince. Right. Because Vanessa Hudgens has like a family heirloom that is a giant acorn her parents brought back from Aldovia. <laughs> so I have a question about that because I also saw that and was confused because are they now trying to set it up like a MCU where all these movies interact? And does that mean that in a princess switch when they reference a Christmas prince, it's a documentary? So no. We don't know that the Princess Switch takes place in this universe, although this movie definitely takes place in the same universe as A Christmas Prince and its sequels. In The Princess Switch, we know that Vanessa Hudgens' favorite movie is A Christmas Prince. It doesn't specify whether it's a fictional movie or not. So she could live in this universe, where it's like a based on a true story thing, or she could live in a different fictional universe where The Princess Switch's countries exist. The truly wild thing about that being her favorite movie is that it's not Chicago Baker Vanessa Hudgens for whom that's her favorite movie. It is Royal Duchess of Montanaro Vanessa Hudgens whose favorite movie is this dumb Netflix romance. Watch your words. It's a bad movie and <laughs> Christmas Prince 2 is even worse and I'm dreading Christmas Prince 3. It comes out in a, just a few days. I feel like at least with the Hallmark movies, before these became huge and there's like the massive trend for it, I didn't realize how loveless an enterprise they could be until watching this movie. Yeah, the old ones like have some heart to them. Like there's a weirdness to them too. And I feel like those are a little bit more earnest where I feel like with these Netflix ones, they know they're bad. And they're right, kind like, of leaning into Kiss. it. Right, like think about Christmas Kiss. And, like, how into it everyone in Christmas Kiss seems to be. They are trying their hardest in that movie. Their hardest just isn't good enough. Right. Yeah. I think we're done watching these Netflix ones for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I think maybe we can dip back in, into some of the classic bad Christmas movies from, like, 2014 before it became a thing. But the new ones that are being produced just aren't worth their salt. No. But you better believe I'm still going to watch them all. Yeah, I mean, I will definitely fun. watch Princess Switch 2 next year because I want to know how they work in the third one. Whose name is Fiona, I believe. Adding a third Vanessa Hudgens was literally the only thing they could have done to get me to watch that movie, I think. Yeah. They stole and this our is kind of what Hudgens does now. Trap with the third twin. Yeah, we're still waiting on our check, Netflix. Yeah. But this is kind of what Netflix does now. They are making a bunch of these. They turn it a couple of years. Fiona, you also watched Christmas in the Wild, right? I did. It's called Holiday in the Wild, actually. What? Okay. How was Roblo? That one. <laughs> it starts in like August, right, as her son is leaving for college. And her son leaves for college. And five minutes later, her husband announces he's leaving her. They were supposed to go on a second honeymoon to Tanzania. And she decides that she is still going to go to Tanzania, but by herself. And while she's in Tanzania, she meets Rob Lowe, who is the mysterious and handsome animal. It's not, he's not really a trainer, but he works in the animal conservation group there. This movie has the same setup as Life of the Party, the Melissa McCarthy movie. I haven't seen that, but I'm sure you can- <laughs> No, because that one, she goes to college, right? Yeah, but it uh, still starts with her husband leaving her five seconds after her daughter goes to college and then making a giant life change. Yep, because in Holiday in the Wild, spoiler alert, she ends up moving to Africa forever. That's barely a spoiler. You have to see the poster to figure that out. <laughs> right. Okay, Netflix- you goodwill yeah uh wolverine fell down <laughs> wolverine's mad at this movie too he's trying to stop the recording this is the thing about recording at different places i'm just at my desk so i'm surrounded by x-men action figures all your toys are there yeah so i can have wolverine and cable complain about this movie they didn't like it <laughs> 
<laughs> I didn't either. <laughs> I have to say, I've seen this movie twice. And the first time, I had a great time watching it. The second time, I was just kind of ready for it to be over before we were halfway done. Yeah, this movie is exhausting because nobody's trying to do anything, so there's no forward momentum. Right. It thinks it has forward momentum just by having the passage of time, but because Cole doesn't feel any pressure to get things done, like, he has a deadline, but he has no goal and he's not trying to figure it out, so that deadline is meaningless. Right, and I think when I watched it the first time, I kept waiting, like, oh, oh, something crazy will happen. It'll get good. It'll get good. And then the second time, I knew nothing was coming. So it was just like, yeah, I'm ready for it to be over. This movie has so little plot. For one that starts with such a ridiculous premise, they just came up with the title, wrote a five-minute introduction where they should have spent a lot more time in the 13th century and cut a lot of time in Ohio just to, like, set up his character more. And there were no stakes. So this was as painful to watch as Spirit of Christmas, and the runtime was just as long. And It was longer! By two minutes, maybe. I felt those two minutes! (laughs) (laughs) And then it also just played into all the dumb rom-com tropes where... She even just falls over once for no reason. Yep. And I okay. made sure to know that meet, and got mad. They meet because she crashes into him while looking up, not at anything. Like, there's no reason for her to run into him. <laughs> and that's what the entire movie is based on. I... Well, there's snow. She can't see anything. And no, no, obvious... no, I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about when she hits him with her car. Oh, I'm talking about when they're like at the Christmas market and she runs into him and spills hot chocolate on him. And this idiot keeps calling it mead, even though hot chocolate <laughs> is nothing like mead. He's a confused Will, man. There's only one drink in the 1300s, and it's mead. Even water is mead. So this movie was exhausting. So I have a list of all of the classic Christmas movie tropes that I saw, and we talked about some of them but one is the classic old magical person who gets them into the predicament and keeps popping up okay that crone has way too much makeup yeah she also doesn't seem to be that old no she doesn't um the next item was the ex-boyfriend lurking in the background causing drama but not this guy like really did nothing they could have made him so much more interesting yeah like the ex-boyfriend instead of just referencing him they also could have made the like red-headed neighbor more interesting where like we see her once like ask a question about what's going on in a legitimately confusing situation <laughs> and vanessa hudgens resents her for it and then another time she goes up and is like yo cole do you want to make out and then without waiting for an answer is like never mind go make out with vanessa hudgens like she's set up as an obstacle but does nothing except the crime of having once been voted biggest flirt in her yearbook. <laughs> yeah, Vanessa Hudgens is basically slut-shaming her the whole movie. For stuff from 15 years ago, right. too. And then we see her be, like, a good, normal person. She asked a question because her neighbor was having some rando do sword <laughs> fights in the lawn. But, oh no, that girl's too much of a busybody. She did invite him to go caroling. And then he said no, and she said, A friendly thing to do! Yeah, exactly. And then with the mistletoe, she was totally normal about it. It's basically like, yeah, he's attractive. She wants to flirt with him. Where is the harm in that, Vanessa Hudgens? And then when she realizes she doesn't have a chance, she moves on. My god, this movie is... Talking about it has made it so much worse, (laughs) even. Um, okay. I've got a couple more. We should... Real, I'll be okay. quick. But a child asking Santa for Christmas for a new boyfriend slash girlfriend for an adult in their life. Specifically pointing out one that won't That cheat. happens in weirdly a lot of these movies. Um, we had a hot chocolate meat cute, empty cups, dead parents. She has a... Now, I under I believe that her house that she lives in and the guest house are her parents. But, like, she... Like, lives a very lavish lifestyle for a high school teacher. Her dad was a cop, too. And, like, Like, she... Like, I'm guessing he was a massively dirty cop to afford that house. (laughs) She has a different coat in every single scene. She has probably eight different coats. Talking about dirty cops, did you notice Officer Stevens never got a first name? Yeah. He's also apparently the only officer in town. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. he is the cop in town. Oh, the other thing is... So, Brooke, Vanessa Hudgens' character, her last name is Winters, and there's the surprise puppy at the end. Okay, we have to start talking about this movie, or we'll never (laughs) stop. So, every week on We Love to Love, we break down the romantic plotline of a movie into five points that summarize the romantic relationships. 
So, Fiona, you have seen this movie twice, incredibly. <laughs> so, you're going to be in charge of guiding us through the romance of the night before Christmas. Okay. So, their first, their, their meet-cute is at the Christmas Castle Festival. We all grow up fantasizing about finding true love with a knight in shining armor and living happily ever after. But that's all it is. Fantasy. Where he is running around in his chainmail armor and Brooke accidentally bumps into Sir Cole and spills hot chocolate all over him, which he thinks is mead. Yeah, again, she crashes into him before no reason. Right. And it's kind of like a, a non... Nothing else really happens. She does stare off after him as he walks away. I think she's intrigued by this night man. And they are at the Christmas castle, so no one seems that weirded out that he's in armor, which I think Which is, is clearly made of plastic, yeah. by the way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which I think is actually, like, a decent touch, where it doesn't just immediately lead to everyone freaking out, and you can focus on the two of them. But at the same time, I was at a Christmas market here last night, and running into people and spilling on them is a very common occurrence, so I barely picked up on the fact that it happened. I think I ran into at least 10 people. This is a realistic start. Yeah, guys, it was hell. I did not care for it. Oh, man. Uh, Okay, so really, that's all I have for point one. Okay, he's really clean, despite having been transported from the 1300s. Yeah, he's not covered from head to toe in mud and shit. Well, maybe he rolled he's totally around hairless. in the snow a little bit to clean himself off. No, he's very, very clean from the start of the film. Wait, I do have another question. I'm sorry, but what was the goal of the hunt? They released a falcon. Were they then supposed to shoot the falcon down? <laughs> they were hunting the falcon. <laughs> I think so. But they also said whoever brings the biggest game back. So does the falcon go out and just murder other things and then they have to just pick up the biggest one to it's win? It's like a scavenger Maybe. hunt. What was it? I hate it. And I was so mad that they didn't explain it at it all. It sounds like the writers don't understand medieval hunting and they just threw it out there with words. They didn't even open a single Wikipedia page right. to figure like, this out. They were out. just like, ah, falcons, those were big. They like to hunt. We'll just throw words on the page. Also, guess what year that castle they were in was built? I mean, I know it's in Ireland and not in Norwich. Is it uh, in I'm sure the it's like the 1700s. 19th century. Yeah, it is. I think construction started in 1798. Oh my gosh. Shout out to the writer of this movie, Kara J. Russell, who follows our show on Twitter. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Anyway, point two. Sorry about that. I had been really hopeful that when she followed us after tweeting about it, that we could like arrange an interview. And then I watched the movie and I was like, you know, I just don't know how to politely have this conversation. <laughs> no, I'm glad it's not happening. It would have been really, I don't know what I could have done. I would have had to leave the room. I think it could have been interesting to get. It could have been interesting. Like, I would like to know if the like references to the Christmas Prince were mandated by Netflix. If it was required that the characters be obsessed with sitting around and watching things on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, and like how earnest they are in this writing process. But like I said, I don't know how to politely have this conversation. Fair, that's fair. Okay, so point number two is their second meet cute where uh, it's not that cute. To meet too cute. So uh, Brooke hits Circle with her car as she's driving down the main street of town. Are you okay? Fear not. I've been thrown much further by much faster horses than your steel steed. So Cole is a 14th century knight from England. He is pretty young, and he feels that he is not a true knight until he completes his quest, but he doesn't know what his quest is. I think he knows the old he crone, has to look into his heart, though. Well, he talks about how, like, the quest is tied to whatever your personal, like, failings are. Oh, right, yeah. And he runs into this old crone in the woods when he's busy hunting the falcon, and she tells him that he should take this magic disc, and it'll take him to the future, and that's where he'll find his quest by Christmas Eve. So he's, like, wandering around small-town Ohio looking for a quest. Yeah. So she hits him with his car, and they all assume that the reason he thinks he's a knight from the 14th century is because he got hit in the head, and that... He's suffering from amnesia and doesn't remember anything. And We're in like crazy. full Kate and Leopold territory at this point. No, absolutely. Except the difference with this and Kate and Leopold is in Kate and Leopold, we had Liev Schreiber who had actual information about this dude in his time period. True. You're right. You're right. He was really nonchalant about getting hit by a car. Yeah, he bounced. He stood right back up. And like, 
I know she's Well, I guess a little... he does say, like, he's used to jousting. Yeah, but this is a car. So they take him to the hospital. I, I would like to point out that when Chief tells Officer Stevens what happens at first, she just goes, oh, he was in the road. He hit his head. And it's not until as they're leaving the hospital that she's like, yeah, I hit him with my car. So she really buried that little detail. I feel like yeah, well, Officer Stevens is a crooked cop, <laughs> just like Hudgens' dad. Oh. And so he's going to let her off for hitting this gotcha, dude. Gotcha, gotcha. So then she finds his little medallion in the snow. And I guess she's feeling really guilty about hitting him. So she offers to let Sir Cole stay at her guest house. Mark, what do you think of the fact that he immediately starts calling her lady as though that's her station? Um, it's not great. <laughs> yeah, she's clearly a pauper. Yeah, but he also like, thinks these people... Alexa is a lady, too. No, it's the problem is that he addresses everyone with titles of nobility, which doesn't make any sense because he should care about station. That said, it takes him like all of two days to not care about being addressed by his own rank. Yeah, sorry. I really... I think the only reason I was so like focused on finding the historical inaccuracies is because there was nothing else of interest to latch on to. Right. I was writing them all down too. So anyway, he goes back to stay in Vanessa Hudgens' guest house. She gives him her ex-boyfriend's clothes. So he's walking around wearing a Santa sweater. <laughs> the worst sweater I've ever seen. And some really that ugly- That I kind of enjoyed. And really ugly gray sweatpants too. Yeah. Is this when he starts the lawn fire? The very first night, he starts a lawn fire because he wants to kill Where does he skunk. get the lumber? He has these enormous logs that he's used to build a fire in her backyard while he's trying to catch a skunk to cook it. Here's a question. If you cook skunk, does everything just smell? Does the smell just get I released? I would assume you can't eat it. You can? Yeah, you just want to remove the like scent gland. Yeah, right? I feel like if you're a talented butcher, you can probably just like cut the scent gland out without piercing it if you have ever done this if you have been a talented butcher (laughs) tweet at us with the hashtag i got skunked to tell us how to get it done (laughs) so then they go to the diner instead where he calls the server a wench and he tries to start a sword fight with the ex-boyfriend in the diner who then disappears from the movie right yeah i don't think we see him again so much of this movie could be cut and replaced with interesting things. And I wonder if the writer actually, like, had scenes where she interacted with the boyfriend and the Netflix executives were like, you have to cut all of these and replace it with them binge-watching television. Which is so much less interesting even than the movie marathon in Christmas Kiss. Where we have the dude who has, like, somehow never interacted with Christmas culture except oh, for yeah, right. reading a Christmas carol. And then the girl shows him, what's her name, When shows him all of the Christmas specials. But it feels more natural when it's not clearly designed as that advertising right and also that becomes plot relevant because like that's then when the boss comes home and like finds them canoodling on the couch yeah (laughs) where it's like this is just a thing they do all the time he's like what are you doing she's like i'm going out and he's like what if we watch netflix all day and she does and nothing matters she has to do her because like at the very least they could be like that's a day of him to sort out his quest but because he doesn't care about his quest losing a day doesn't matter she has to do her christmas chores meanwhile her house is already decorated what christmas chores does she have I guess baking this movie's so for the, bad. the dinner. But the other thing is I hated his voice when he tried to mimic the characters from the movies he watched. Oh, yeah. That was horrible. Yeah, So uh. bad. So bad. Okay. Let's keep rolling. I think he may have been a French speaker if he was a knight at this time. That's probably true. Anyway, point three. Oh, I guess that's where we are. Yeah, kind of. It's their whole bonding experience while he stays at the guest house. So they spend an entire day binging Christmas movies. From what I gather, it's bad luck if a couple don't kiss once they find themselves underneath it. Oh, well, it's probably just some silly old wives tale. Uh. But why risk it? They decorate her house, which was already decorated, but they share stories about their Christmas traditions. Like he talks about how his mother used to give them an orange and a half penny. And she told us how her mom used to make little things for her and hide them in the Christmas tree. So they kind of share stories about their family. They go to chop down a Christmas tree together. He's basically around all the time. He declines the caroling invitation so he can hang out with her. He gets all involved in her family life. Right. Hudgens' sister keeps going on about how, like, he's the whole package. And I'm like, if you think he's not a knight, then you think he's an unemployed fool. Yeah. Um, I did really enjoy the scene at the grocery store where he tries to buy six large cans of hot chocolate. And she's like, no, we can't do that. And he, like, tries to sneakily put them back in. And by the time he gets to the last two, he just looks straight at her, throws them in the cart, and walks away. You can't get between him and his hot chocolate. 
his mead. Or just weren't well known in Europe until the 1600s. Continue. <laughs> yeah, I was really surprised when he brought up oranges, and I was like, I don't think that's true. There's also, like, they're not sure where that tradition comes from, but I heard that it started in the Depression, which was the 1930s. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Oh, um, and then remember when they're making the bread and he helps her knead the dough from behind. That was like full on ghost scene. Yes, that's what I wrote. He like reaches around her and is just like rubbing his hands into that <laughs> dough. <laughs> yeah, this really does show that Will doesn't read Fiona's points because Fiona directly says he ghost helps her knead the dough. <laughs> oh, yeah, really? Yeah. yeah. Fiona's points are like full paragraphs. No, only- Point three is a full paragraph. Most yeah. of the points are like the titles, like the dinner scene. Yeah, other Fiona, have you ever it. seen any of our other scripts? What? Have you ever seen any of our other scripts? No. Points are usually like a line, except for you. Okay, well, I want to get all the details there so I don't have to go back and forth between different documents. I'm, help- I'm helping us. Anyway, is this the point when Vanessa Hudgens tells Cole that she prefers his time period over hers in terms of dating? Yes. A ludicrous statement. This is also at the time where he saves her niece from the thin ice and gets fully ingratiated into the family. Just like, does she realize that his time period, you don't date. You get You have an arranged marriage in exchange for land. Yeah, you get sold off as a woman. She doesn't know history very well. She's a science teacher. No, apparently not. Yeah, also, she's a science teacher. There's the point where she runs into her student at the grocery store, and her student's like, maybe you can give me an extra credit assignment to help bring up my grade for the midterm. And Hudgens says, maybe we can work something out after a break. Kid, that means no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what I figured. You're not getting extra credit. Oh, so then, just... Real quick, all of this bonding is them preparing for this big dinner, this Christmas Eve dinner that her parents started, where they sell tickets to raise money for the poor. And as they're getting ready for the party, she gives him an orange and a half dollar, trying to like recreate what his mother Adjusting for inflation. used to do for him. And they're about to kiss, and then they don't. They do finally kiss at the dinner, which is when the medallion lights up then. Yeah, so at the dinner, first we have Saucy Redhead come up and be like, hey Cole, this is some mistletoe. And he's like, cool. And she's like, when you see it, you have to kiss somebody. And he's looking at Vanessa Hudgens and she immediately is like, hang on to it for somebody else because she is such a paper thin threat. And then at the end of the dinner, he like walks up to her and is like, here's the mistletoe. I understand that you have to kiss me now. I did space out a lot during this movie. I fully do not understand who the poor family was. Oh, let me tell you. The poor family was just this, like, family around town. They live near her sister. There's a little girl. They seem to have a very big house. Well, what happened is his wife died, and so now they only have a single income, and so he's- I'm guessing she was the primary breadwinner. Yeah, so he's working two jobs to be able to take care of the family, but he's also making sure he volunteers because he wants to make sure his kids know that it's important to give back. I have to tell you, in the very beginning of the movie, when Vanessa Hudgens sees this dad at the Christmas carnival, and she's like, oh, hey, David, how are you doing? A great, great time. I thought there was going to be some sort of weird love thing between the two of them. Am I the only one who felt that? No, I did not realize they were the same person, though. Oh, okay, okay. So then at this, like, fundraiser, they decide to give all of the money and, like, toys that they collect just to this one family. Yeah, apparently this town has one needy family. (laughs) Yeah, and it's not a systemic thing. It's a family that, like, has endured tremendous loss this one year. Right. Yeah. So they give every present they can find to his children and a wad of cash to the dad. We knew there was one kid in the family who really wanted a new bike, and we see him excited to get a bike. I'm sorry, that bike is too small for that kid. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't really get how the bike could fit under that tree without being extremely obvious the whole time. It also, again, is too small for that kid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Will, it was for another poor kid that (laughs) then got it taken (laughs) away when they decided to give all of the presents to this one family. Anyway, the medallion lights up. They go back to where he originally showed up and then they kiss and- He disappears. Poof. Smoke and he's gone. So, so, point, so four? point four, he he goes back, he's back in the 1300s, he's there, he's ready for his brother's knighting ceremony, because apparently he has fulfilled his quest, whatever that is. 
You don't have to go. I have no choice. What the f is it? We don't know. I guess it was just to make out with a future well, lady. I mean, he talk well, yeah, and I don't know because when he and Vanessa are bonding, he does talk about this lady that he loved back in his own time. But he couldn't marry her because he had to go off and be a knight and, like, fulfill oh my his duty. God, I forgot about that. Also, he says he leaves at, like, 12. Which, I guess, so, like, actually, the only on. accurate thing is that at 12, yeah, that one checks married. out. But if the premise is, like, yeah, I wasn't able to love because of my duty, and now his duty is to love? Yeah, like, it doesn't track. Circle. And his name is Sir Cole. Circle. <laughs> Boo. I doubt there was that much thought put into this. I want to believe that that is his name, but that there's no actual meaning behind it. Anyways. Okay, so yeah. he goes back. And you see him talk to his brother, and he's like, oh, I found love. And his brother is like, you need to go be with her. You need to go. You can skip my knighting ceremony. It is okay. Meanwhile, in 2019... Oh. Meanwhile, uh, yeah, his brother has thought he's yeah. dead for like yeah. a week. They share a little like pat on the back. I think they hug, and then he rides off. But meanwhile, Brooke in 2019 is just, like, distraught. She is in love with this man that she has known for approximately, what, a week. Yeah. For a week. And she finds his armor gloves that he left at her house. Oh, she finds the bean in the Yule bread, which is the bread that he had her make, where, and you hide a bean in the bread, and whoever finds it gets a wish. And so she's like, oh, yeah, of course I would find the bean now that he's gone. Finding a bean is so much less interesting than finding, like, a tiny <laughs> yes. toy baby Jesus. But she finds the bean and she wishes for Cole to come back. She also finds that he had handmade like a, a whittled orb that he hides in the tree that says like, I'll love you for always from Cole or something like that. Okay, that thing has been fired and glazed. Like, where did he find a kiln to make he this thing? He built it in the back. Yeah, just his bonfire. But where did the lumber come from? Those are full trees. Her sister lives by a forest where the kid got lost. Yeah, but he didn't know that when he made the fire. There are trees in their neighborhood. He probably he could have cut down a whole tree. Stop trying to defend this movie, Fiona. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably a crime. It probably is, but he probably doesn't know that because he's from it, the 1300s. Hutchins probably paid Officer Stevens to oh, look yeah, that way. Officer Stevens offers him a job on the police force. Yes! Officer Stevens offers this man a job as a police because officer. he not only found the missing kids, he also stopped a pickpocket. Yeah, in that moment, he's basically, like, doing yeah. superhero stuff where it's like, I'm gonna vigilante capture this dude and then just hand him over to the cops like he's doing the yeah, spider-man yeah. move at that point but you know what the cops never did <laughs> tried to recruit spider-man well officer stevens is the only officer so he needs a little help yeah he's probably desperate for recruits anyway point five yeah point five so circle goes he finds the crone and convinces her to send him back to 2019 brooke i should have realized sooner but you were my quest i'm your quest yes and my heart is eternally and devotedly yours, if you'll have me. Nothing would make me happier, my handsome knight. He realizes that Brooke was his quest, and so he goes back, and Brooke is with her family on Christmas, and she's sad, she misses Cole, and they go to the Christmas carnival again, and while they're there, they're talking about, oh, Cole had to go back, and then all of a sudden, Cole appears, this time with his horse. And he professes his love for her. And she was like, but like, you can't have a job. What are you going to do in the present? You're not from here. And he says he will either join the police force or open a bakery. Not sure which of those he should really go for, but that's his option. He should absolutely <laughs> open a bakery because he is good at that. And he is tremendously <laughs> violent when that it comes true. to dealing with true. criminals. Even non-criminals. His, his bakery will go under very quickly because he doesn't understand American currency. Also that. Um, so now they're together, they kiss in front of lots of people, and then go on a horse ride, and that is the end. All right. did it. Also, real quick, there's a, a credit scene that sets up a sequel with his more attractive brother. Good God. Mark, did you see this? I did, and I was on Twitter at the time, so I really missed what was happening. Basically, brother rides off into the woods, runs into the crone, she hands him a magic <laughs> hockey puck. This appears to be a setup for the same movie yes. a second time. Maybe it's... He'll go into the past this time, and he has to romance an ancient Roman woman Ooh. or man, Ooh. which would be more interesting. It would be. All right. Anyway, we'll deal with that if we get there. After watching this whole saga unfold, and I think we need to acknowledge that this movie is set in the future, so we need to take that into account. Do we find the romance between Brooke and Cole believable? 
No. No. Of course not. The movie takes a week. He immediately abandons all concerns about Station, which he should care about a lot. Not even that part. It's just like the relationship between them as it is built in the movie also doesn't make sense. It's based based on on nothing. They don't actually spend a lot of time like bonding or doing that in the movie. The movie is very lazy and puts no work into making me believe it. Yeah. I mean, if all it takes to like fall passionately in love is to sit around and watch Netflix all day. And also he's like super touched by the orange and the half penny and is like, you remembered. And I was like, you told her that one day ago. (laughs) She remembered it overnight. And you should not be that touched. She does not appear to have friends. So like, it's not like she's trying to remember things from all these other people. No, her whole life is just her, her sister and her niece. And now Cole. And then kind of her brother-in-law. Yeah, but he's not in the movie, really. (laughs) So we rate all of the romances we cover on a 10-point scale where zero is totally unbelievable and 10 means we believe all of it. Where do you rate The Night Before Christmas? I'm giving it a one, I think. Yeah, I'm also a one. I am a two. Like, there's just not that much there. Yeah. Do you guys think that Brooke... I'm actually... Hang on. I want to see... Because I want to double check how we rated Spirit of Christmas. I think we gave that one a higher rating. I think we did, too. Mark, you gave it a one. Fiona and I gave it zeros. (laughs) I think this is more believe this. I will not give this a zero if I gave Spirit of Christmas a one because at least he is not a ghost. You gave Spirit of Christmas a zero. I'm not going to give this one a zero because at least Sir Cole is not a ghost. He's a time traveling hairless knight. More reasonable to me, I think, than falling in love with a ghost. Mm, I'm not sure. I feel like the fact that they come from at least like 80 years apart versus how many? 700 years probably does change the like ability to create a connection yeah i think mark's onto something there so i feel like i have to rate this a zero okay there's just so little there to hang any of it on and like so much of the other stuff is so frustrating like i think i have to fold like the redhead neighbor into my discussion of the romance because the movie thinks that's part of it and does nothing with it and i don't understand hudgens reactions to anything she does vanessa hudgens is a huge slut shamer that's her reaction yeah ugh Okay, on that subject, do we think Brooke or Cole... Is no. no, they're both empty shells of platitudes and cliché. Um, excuse me, are you talking about the high school teacher who starts off the movie by giving a whole monologue about like, ah, oh, yes, like, I once wanted to be a princess, but that's a fantasy. <laughs> and it's just like chock full of like nonsense catchphrases? Exactly, yes. Okay, but why not Cole, Because he is also an empty husk of a sh- human. Except husk implies at least some hair, probably. So he's a shell, for sure. (laughs) Fiona? No, they're not. No, they're not. So if you did have to pick one person in this movie to date, who would it be? I forgot we had to answer this question, and I don't know if I've ever struggled more. Because there's not a single fun character in this movie. Oh, I have my answer. In the scene at the, like, charity Christmas dinner, Vanessa Hudgens (gasps) gives a bad speech full of empty platitudes. And there is a background actor in this what? scene who is standing near the table with all the food. And she's like watching Hudgens give her speech. And she's like kind of half smiling. Looks like she's not totally tuned in. And as soon as Hudgens finishes her speech, everyone else is applauding. She claps like once <laughs> and then immediately turns back to the table and starts grabbing food. <laughs> what, about, right. what about the guy, um, the husband of the neighbor who's helping bake stuff and her husband had all these back pains and then Circle gives him like a holistic ointment or something and you okay. see him dancing around it, that, having a grand old I, time. It's clear those old people are banging a lot. Um, That old woman is also in The Twelve Dates of Christmas. She is also in The Santa Claus. She is incredible. This movie supports medicine from the same era where a treatment for the plague was to strap a live chicken <laughs> to your leg. This movie should not endorse whatever bullshit remedy he comes up with. At least he did not suggest strapping a chicken to the leg. Where did they where did they find like rendered animal fat? I'm sure they went down to the butcher. He 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 finally <laughs> killed that skunk. So Mark, who would you date? I I don't know. Maybe the guy with kids who's working two jobs and really struggling and seems to still be a good person yeah he would know. be very good i what don't ab- want to date what about someone with that many kids, brother mm, he's pretty hot yeah he's not on screen long enough to be offensive so i guess that's probably <laughs> a good choice <laughs> there you go do we think brooke and cole would stay together 
I think I Cole's going to murder someone and go to jail very soon. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> I think they have to. I think he gave up his whole life for her. Yeah, but he's going to, like, run someone through with a sword, and true. I don't think Brooke will handle that well. Yeah, that's probably yeah, he's going Yeah, he's going to go to jail. Um, Now, many of the movies that we have covered have been made into musicals. Should The Knight Before Christmas <laughs> be made into a stage musical? Mark is shaking his head and backing away from his microphone. If you call it officially The Knight Before Christmas, yes. Why would that be important? <laughs> Elaborate, Fiona. It would just be flesh more... out this thought. Um, I, 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 maybe some music. You could help develop the plot a little bit more with some songs. And do you think you could like help write any of those songs? Yes. Do you have any ideas? Yeah. Because you've like written original songs before. Yeah, of course. I will say the effects for time travel in this movie seem to be community theater level anyway, such as. A puff of smoke and a LED disc, so... I kind of liked the color, though. It was a good blue. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess that's what their goal is, to make sure that someone in the illustrious community theater scene of Boston can put on this show. You know, that is the only place to be for theater. All right. I think that about does it for the night before Christmas. So we will wrap up here. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> Having to record episodes on the spirit of Christmas and night before Christmas as the last two we've done really put me in a sour mood on the concept of film. You mean it didn't get you into the holiday spirit, Mark? No, I think I am madder at Christmas than I've ever been this year. Well, we'll see if we can cure that next week with the final installment of our holiday coverage. We're going to be looking at the 2003 Richard Curtis movie written and directed by him. Love Actually. I've had some hit or miss feelings on Richard Curtis, so cautious optimism. Yeah, we've had some real fun ones, like he did The Tall Guy. And Bridget Jones' Diaries was fun. I just really did not like Yesterday. Until then, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Love the Love Pod, and you can email us questions or movie suggestions at lovethelovepod at gmail.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Reviews on Apple Podcasts in particular really help other people to find the show. Now, I took this line because I want to answer this last because I need a lot of time to think. What's the best piece of dating advice we got from the night before Christmas? Fiona? No, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Um. I learned from this movie that you can walk around with mistletoe and just try talking to people and telling them like, hey, look, I have some mistletoe. And it'll work 50% of the time because it works for Cole, but not for the saucy redhead. Uh, my advice is that you should spend an entire day binging Netflix holiday movies. Or High School Musical, the musical, the or series. Or High School Musical, colon, the musical, colon, the series. I guess one thing that does work 100% of the time in this movie is hit them with your car. True. That seems like bad advice, Mark. <laughs> I mean, you shouldn't follow any of the advice from this movie, so. Or you can wish on the magic bean in the Yule bread. If it's not a king cake baby, what is the point? <laughs> the magic bean sounds like a weird, like, VeggieTales thing. Yeah, it does. Anyway, I'm done with this movie. So until next time, I'm gay. And I'm a ginger. So between the two of us, we know everything there is to know about romance. Bye! Bye! Bye. I'm an idiot for taking your phone. This is my fault, my bad. If I said a million sorries, how about a billion sorries? shine just like the stars and i'm not even a nightlight cause what i did wasn't so bright i'm really sorry